again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you have found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants God requires to help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church, located in Los Angeles, California. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. Currently, we're in a series called 316. If you're new, we just we started this a few weeks ago, and uh, this came from just me reading the Bible and kind of noticing that there's a lot of great verses that have the exact same reference, ch- third chapter, the 16th verse, and so. We started off uh, with a sermon on John 3.16, one of the most well-known verses in the Bible. Then we looked at Joel 3.16, and then we looked at Matthew 3.16, where Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan there. Today, we come to one of the most important verses in the entire Bible. I don't say that lightly. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy Chapter 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16. And inside your uh, bulletin are some sermon notes. I would love to have you take uh, out those sermon notes. And I want to speak to you on the subject of lifting up the Word of God. Lifting up the Word of God. I want you to take your Bibles and lift it up. Okay? Every one of you should have a Bible here today. Lifting up uh, the Word of God. I want to give you the background of this letter. Paul, everybody say Paul. Paul was the one that wrote this letter. And when he wrote this letter, Paul was in prison. And from time to time, I get letters from people who are in prison. And uh, I always try to write them back. I, I, I don't always get that done, but if somebody writes me a letter from prison, I try to write them back. Paul was in prison, a dark damp dungeon in the city of rome and he decides to write a letter to a young man named you can guess his name his name is timothy and so he writes a couple of letters we're looking at the second letter that he wrote but as you read through you realize that paul doesn't have much longer to live here on this earth he's getting older he may be executed doesn't have long to live and he decides to write a letter to this young man that he had mentored that he had discipled and in the course of this letter in the third chapter our 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 key verse is verse 16 i want to read starting in the third chapter verse 1 2 3 and 4 in the course of this letter paul tells young timothy He said, Timothy, mark this, write this down, pay attention. There will be terrible times. Now, he's in prison writing this, but he's letting Timothy know that there's going to be terrible times. Everybody say terrible times. There's going to be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, 
ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And if he said that about the days in which he lived, I wonder what he would say about the times in which we live. We have lost our moral compass. Sin and pride and disobedience and immorality is everywhere. Unholy people rule the day. We are living in those terrible times. And then in the rest of chapter 3, in the first part of chapter 4, Paul basically holds up the Word of God to Timothy and says, Timothy, this is the answer to all that ails our land. He said, this is the solution to the evil that is so prevalent in our world today. He is saying, Timothy, this is our only hope and our only salvation. He's encouraging young Timothy He's saying, Timothy, look, my, my life, you read through this. He's basically saying, hey, my time has come. I've, I've got, I don't have much more time on this earth. I'm in prison here. I'm not expected to live long. I, may, I might be executed in the morning. But he's saying, Timothy, I want you to take over, take this word that I've been preaching for which I'm imprisoned. And I want you, Timothy, to hold this book high. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. He says in verse 15, from infancy, Timothy, since you were just a little baby, you have known, you have been taught the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. You see, he lifts up the Word of God because the Word of God points people to Jesus. And he says, Timothy, these Scriptures, the Word of God, this book is the most important document on the face of this earth. And then we come to verse 16. This is our key verse. Are you ready? Are you ready? He says, Timothy, I want you to know, don't ever forget this. It's one of the most important verses in the whole Bible. That all Scripture, I want you to say the word all. All All Scripture, from the very first word in the book of Genesis to the very last word in the book of Revelation that all scripture is god breathed it is useful for teaching for rebuking for correcting and for training in righteousness there are four things four major points i want you to write these down number one he's telling timothy that the bible is inspired that all scripture all of it is what he calls god breathed Paul was writing this letter and he's writing word. He's very, being very careful and he searches for a word to describe the word of God. Paul actually invents a word, a word that had never been used in the Greek language before. He took the Greek word for God, which was theos, and he combined it with the word, a Greek word that means breath, the word pneuma, And he put theos and pneuma together to create a new word. And he says, Timothy, all scripture is 
And he comes up with this word, Greek word, theopneustos. And that word means that the word of God, all scripture, is God-breathed. It is God-inspired. These are the very words of Almighty God. Now, of course, world religions all claim to have their own holy book. Muslims claim that Muhammad wrote the Quran as the angel Gabriel dictated it to him. Mormons claim in the year 1832 that the angel Moroni directed Joseph Smith to some golden plates that were buried underground in New York. And from those golden plates, Joseph Smith wrote what's called the Book of Mormon. But the Bible makes the claim that no other holy writings claim. It says that all Scripture, this book is the very breath of God. It means that the origin of Scripture is God Himself. Yes, it is written over a period of 1,500 years. It was written in three different languages, 40 different authors on three different continents, many different literary styles from poetry to history to uh, prophecy Uh, The law, theology, Proverbs, parables, various conditions and locations. But all of it is God's unfolding story of redemption for fallen man with no contradictions and complete harmony when studied accurately. Second Peter chapter 1, look at these words. It's very, very important. It says that prophecy never had, it never had its origin in the will of man. Everybody say will of man. Never had its origin in the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. I, I want to explain that. No prophecy uh, ever had its origin in the will of man. And what that means is that there was never a time ever No man, I don't care how godly he was or how noble he was, no man ever just woke up in the morning and said, you know what I think I'm going to do today? I think I'm going to write some holy scriptures. No prophecy was ever written by the will of man. No, rather man spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. In other words, it was the Holy Spirit of God that directed and moved and 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 touched and guided man to write these words now they were written down by a man but the ultimate author was god god breathed god led god inspired theopanustos he god wrote inspired these words the trouble uh someone described this like like sunshine passing through a, a stained glass window It might have taken on the coloring of a given author's personality, yet it provides life and light only because it was coming from God who is life and who is light. And these men wrote exactly what God wanted them to write. David wrote these words in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 2. He said that the Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. 
Jeremiah said this in Jeremiah 1 verse 9, Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. One Bible researcher counted more than 3,000 times where the writers of Scripture use some variant of this thought that the word of the Lord came to me saying. The relevancy of this being a divine book sets it apart from all other books on this planet. It demands my attention, my affection, my reverence, my obligation, my love, and my obedience. Yes, the Word of God is inspired. But because it comes from God, you have to understand this, because this comes from God, number two, write this down, the Bible is infallible. Because it's inspired, it's infallible. In other words, it's true. It's trustworthy. Because it came from God. Anything God says can be trusted. It's just the opposite of Satan. Satan is a liar and the father of all lies. So if Satan is saying, if, if Satan is talking and he and Satan is saying something, you know it's not true. He's a liar, the father of all lies. God, on the other hand, is truth. So if God is saying something, you can trust him. The Bible says in these words, look at these words in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 5. It says that every word of God is flawless. It's perfect. Practically speaking, if the Bible says something, if you read, and it's explaining when life begins, it's absolutely true. If the Bible says something about salvation, it's absolutely true. If the Bible says something about heaven or you read something about hell in the Bible, oh, you can believe it. It's absolutely true because it comes from God. If the Bible, if you're reading the Bible and there's something in there about marriage being a union between a man and a woman, it's absolutely true. If you're reading the Bible and you read something about sin or the consequences of sin, it's absolutely true. If the Bible says something about worship or praise or honoring your parents or loving your neighbor or there's something in here about giving of tithes or something about lying or stealing or being transformed or if there's something in here about communion or something in here about baptism or whatever the subject is, if you read it in the Bible, it's absolutely true. So, we come to this verse in 2 Timothy 3.16 that tells us that the Word of God is inspired, God breathed, it is divine, it is in, in, infallible, and it can be used for four things. I want you to write them down as quickly as you can. It, it's simple, but write them down. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and this phrase, training in righteousness. Write them down, those four things, teaching rebuking, correcting, and training. And then in your notes that I gave you in your bulletin, I gave you a couple of words that just 
kind of explain what that means. And so the first word, teaching, means that as you read through the Word of God, God is teaching you because it comes from Him. And he's, He's imparting wisdom to you on life, on relationships, on finances, on trials, on character, on morals, on temptations, spirituality, redemption, salvation. As you read through the Word of God, God is teaching you things that you need to know. Now, second thing He does is He rebukes us as well. And it's one of the reasons why we don't read the Bible is because we don't want to be rebuked. Part of the Word of God is actually God teaching you. Part of the Word of God is God showing you, revealing to you where you're off track. He points out our improper behaviors. He reveals to us our prideful ways. He shows us our improper attitudes, our legalistic ways. So part of it is teaching. Part of it is revealing where we're off track. Then he corrects us. And what that means is part of the Bible is written to get us back where we're supposed to be, back on track, to straighten us out. The rebuking part reveals how far we got off track. But as you read, the purpose is not just to show you where we've messed up, but how to get back to where we're supposed to be. Picture, if you would, you wake up and you're going to make the bed, and the bed is in complete disarray, and you come in and you're going to straighten out the bed, so you start to pull everything, get everything nice where it looks good. And that's what the Word of God does. It, it corrects our messed up lives. And then you have this training, which is discipline and maturity. It's the process that God creates something in us where we become more like Jesus. A, a training in righteousness. He makes us holy. You know, we're just, we're saved. We're saved. That means we're justified. We've been justified. But there's another process called sanctification where we're becoming more like Jesus. So, you know, when you first get saved, the last two weekends, the last two weeks here at church, we've had close to 100 baptisms. So when you get saved, you're, you're just a baby, Saved, you're here, you're saved, you're, you're, you've been justified, but you've not been sanctified yet. And so this process of the Word of God with the Holy Spirit, this, this flawless, perfect, inspired Word of God is what helps grow you and mature you into being more like Jesus Christ. So it's critical that you live your life according to this book and not according to Hollywood. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, look at these words, that the Word of God is living and active. It's the only book I know that when you read it, it's, it's actually living, it's breathing, it's active. It is sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and the spirit. And it says that it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. No other book can do that. Anytime you come down to any issue in your life, let this book be your guiding light. 
Not your horoscope. (laughs) Not astrology. Not the New Age movement. Not fake news. Not some social media influencer. Not the government. Not Planned Parenthood. Not the whims of some political party. Not even your feelings. But the inspired, God-breathed, infallible, flawless Word of God. Let this be your guide. And number three, write this down. The Word of God is sufficient. Sufficient. So what does that mean? It means that this is all you need. I, I, want, I want you to raise up your Bible and turn to your neighbor and say, this is all you need. You don't, listen, you don't need this plus I've got a denominational handbook here for you. I've got this And I've got some liberal professor's interpretation of this. You don't need this plus People magazine. You don't need this and Jimmy Kimmel or Taylor Swift's opinions. This is all that you need. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 2 says, Hear, O heavens, and hear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. The secret to overcoming any obstacle you are facing today is revealed through one of the most extraordinary victories ever recorded in the Bible, the Battle of Jericho. Joshua and the Israelites followed God's unusual plan to walk around the heavily fortified walls of Jericho for seven days. The Lord promised that at the end of those seven days, He would cause the walls of that famed city to fall, allowing His people to take possession of the Promised Land. In his book, Walls Fall Down, Pastor Dudley Rutherford shows us how the seven spiritual principles in this story are available for all of us today. You will learn how the foundation behind Joshua's victory is the key to overcoming your own hurdles and unsolvable issues. 
When you choose to do things God's way, walls crumble, victory replaces defeat, and a blessed future unfolds. Pastor Dudley's book, Walls Fall Down, is available for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus ministry. This invaluable resource can be yours right now by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. Discover how your personal Jericho battle is no match for the power of an awesome God. Call us right now and receive your copy of Walls Fall Down by Pastor Dudley Rutherford today. I'm Kyle Welch, inviting you to join us tomorrow at this same time as we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley